0: Welcome the Flumadiddle folks. I'm John. I'm Keith and we are coming not so live from Gazden, Alabama in the Flumadiddle studios. The Flumadiddle compound if you will. So how you doing today brud? I'm doing good man.
1: We're getting close to the weekend.
0: That's right. I'm brud is one day. of those words I made at last podcast. I was gonna say brother and I said I said and bud. Bud. I was gonna say brother and I now finished with bud and then came out bud. Brud. What's up
1: brud? What's up brud?
0: Tell us something Keith. Something.
1: Anything. Okay. All right. Well, let's say this. Last week, maybe it wasn't last week. Depends how we get all this worked out. But anyway. Could be in the future. Could be in the future. But in in case you haven't heard, we've come up with a couple of words. We've got flumadiddlists and
0: flumadiddlers. Keith, will not you tell us what a -a flumadiddler is? Flumadiddler? Well, that is you guys who listen to our podcast and anyone who cuts through flumadiddle. Flumadiddle being what, John?
1: Utter nonsense.
0: Right, and comes from a couple of different words, flummery and diddle, which has uh, got to do with people trying to trick you and fool you and stuff like that as well. And it's one m, not two, because two's a dessert. Two's a
1: dessert. All right, so we've got another word, diddlists and that is people who spew
0: some flummadiddle. Exactly,
1: purveyors of flummadiddle, if you will.
0: So the last time we recorded, John had this excellent idea of you know. Our podcast is named Flumadiddle, so we should like, do a podcast on some of the greatest Flumadiddlest that ever lived. All right. And so while I was uh, trying to think of that, John, one name came to mind just like immediately and clearly. And what's odd about this guy is he may be one of the greatest Flumadiddlest and one of the greatest Flumadiddlers of all time.
1: So initially, he was a Flumadiddlest, right. and then later on, after lots of stuff happened, uh, he became a diddler, right. and tried to break through the flumadiddle. And Keith, who is the one? We'll leave that kind of stuff because that's funny. <laughs> so who are we talking about, Keith? Frank Abagnale, Jr. Frank Abagnale, Jr. And I remember the name because I don't know a whole lot about him prior to the podcast, but I had seen the movie Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCraccio and, and
0: Tom Hanks. Right. So funny stuff. Probably a lot of people know the movie more than they do who Frank Avenel jr is because it was a pretty good movie and mm-hmm. uh pretty popular uh Steven Spielberg film and they I say they did a pretty good job it wasn't as accurate as I would like for it to be John but uh anyway if you have seen the movie and you're more interested if you want like some some serious details and some more accurate details read the book that the movie's based on it's called catch me if you can as well yes it's autobiography right right it's his autobiography he wrote it with a you know an author who helped him write it but I mean, uh, it's it's more accurate than the movie. Got you. Well, just tell us a little bit. Give us a little intro about this fellow. Well, by the age of twenty one, John, he by his own words, he said he was a millionaire twice and a half, twice over and a half. So I guess two and a half million dollars by the time he's twenty. But he said also that he stole every penny of it and he blew most of it on fancy living and women. All right, so let's say this: we're not.
1: Um we're not necessarily in support of uh, illegal activities,
0: um, grifting of any kind. No, um, and it is easy to kind so of set not, this guy up as a rock star con yeah, artist because he was a rock star con artist. Yeah. But no, we are not in support of this at all. But you'll see why he did. Have, it is very interesting. Yeah, he certainly. did have a change of life. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Which, that makes it a little bit better to talk about him, I guess, since he changed his life around.
1: So, he had assumed no less than eight identities throughout his career there. And we're going to hit on a few of them today, Keith. I know we're going... To, the one that's big in the movie, the airline pilot. Yeah.
0: And he also, very briefly, a federal bureau's a prison agent. A pediatrician and a lawyer. Not, a, yeah. not an Indian chief, and but he teacher, was a doctor and some lawyer. and other things. Yeah. So, I mean, lots of different identities, no less than eight, like you said, but maybe the scariest thing of all that, John, is it wasn't like what you think of in terms of identity death today. People today, they assume these kind of identities is so they can like run up a credit card or right. cash a check. And maybe initially that's what he started doing, but what's maybe the scariest thing about him He actually did these things. So like he became a doctor. He became a lawyer. He practices these things while he was... An airline pilot. Yeah, an airline pilot. That's pretty scary to
1: know he's in in planes. Yeah,
0: and there's a part of the book that talks about where he actually took the controls for a few minutes. And that is insane. That's pretty scary, man.
1: Well, let me hit on his first con here. He Uh, started
0: young, right?
1: So it was actually against his father. He used his dad's gas card to buy tires, batteries, and things such as that. He would get them, and then he would sail them back to the... that would be sail instead of sale sail, sail, sail. Not like he's sailing sail across away, the sea. Sail away. There you go. Sail away. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so he'd sell them back to the dealer for the fraction of the cost. What he didn't really think about and realize at first, right, was that his dad was the victim. Right. Ran up over thirty-four hundred dollars
0: worth of yeah. I think it wasn't until he saw that bill that he realized, you know somebody expects dad to pay this stuff back, that he realized his dad was the one who was the stooge in all this, you know. So now mostly when he's doing this stuff, he's between <laughs> 15
1: and 21 years old, right? Which is incredible. It's crazy. Yeah. So obviously he looked a lot older than he was right. to get away
0: with this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, reports said that he looked at least 10 years older than what he actually was. But he used that childlike behavior in some instances. Um, and the next one we're going to talk about is the most famous one. Is when he become an airline pilot. Airline pilot. So he had to get a lot of information, you know, about that. And he did that by posing as a high school student. He called up the airline and was like, hey, can I talk to somebody and interview them for my, you know, high school newspaper about what it's like to be a pilot? And they're like, hey, let's call back to the break room and see if anybody's available. And somebody was available and he gave him, like, all the information that he could possibly need to pull off this scam. He told him like you know how you get all your different things that you need to be a pilot and all this stuff and like a lot of the jargon that he needed to use in order to fool people he got from this guy, at least initially wild. and he continued to learn more and more stuff. But um, so anyway, he, he, first he got a uniform. He just called a uniform company nearby that he knew had those kind of uniforms and he just it told him Pan Am, wasn't it? This Pan Am it was Pan is Pan the Am. one that he yeah, the one that he fooled or. now what year are
1: we talking about with this kind of stuff
0: uh late 60s late 60s okay Mm -hmm. all right and um so anyway he called the uh uniform companies told them you know this big long con about how i'm new on the job and i lost my uniform and uh, you know i i gotta have it i you know they're gonna get in trouble and all this stuff and they're like no 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 worries it happens all the time you know just come down here we'll get you fitted you know and so he went down there and he got fitted and then he's like uh He's like, well, that'll be so-and-so amount of money. He's like, all right, I'll just write you a check. He's like, I'm sorry, sir. We don't write, we don't take checks or cash. He said, you just have to fill out this slip of paper and write your name and your employee number now. And so bada-bing, he bada-bing. said, it will charge Pan Am. Awesome. And he did that all over the world, right? He flew over
1: a right. million miles to 26 different countries all over the world.
0: Right. And so he got his uh, lapel and his hat wings the same way, you know, lost them kind of deal. Um, but he also, the, the two things that was kind of hard to get was an ID card and then the FF, the FAA license. So I think that it, would be hard. Yeah. The, the ID card was kind of neat. He called a place who does ID cards and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, from Pan Am and we're, we're thinking about switching companies to do our ID cards. So, you know, I'll have you a big, pretty big order here. Well, I mean, you know, any small business person, they see, dollar signs they quit thinking straight you know what I mean absolutely and so he's like so you think I can get a sample and he gave him a sample he's like well this one's blank you know can you fill it in with my name and all that and so the guy made him a, a ID card the only thing it was missing was the Pan Am logo that was it it looked just like it except for that and so he solved that problem one day he walked by like a souvenir shop and he saw the Pan Am little toy planes and it had the logo on the side of the plane so he just kind of soaked in water got that little logo off and put it on the ID badge bam the FAA license one was even more impressive, in my opinion. He saw in an ad in a magazine where pilots could get a their license in plaque size, get a plaque. So he ordered a plaque of his license that didn't exist. They sent it to him, <laughs> and then they went and uh, he went to a photocopier and was like, "Hey, can you shrink this down to size?" You know, and they shrunk it down to size for him. So it looked just like the license. Bada bang, man. So let's move on to his next uh, career choice. Well, first you said, though, something about a million miles, 26 different countries, 250 flights. Yeah, Right, right. He did that by deadheading. Um, Basically, that's where, like, if you're a pilot from one airline, you can hitch a ride with another airline to get back to a town so that you can go to work. And uh, there's these little jump seats that are behind the captain and pilot. And so he found out he, he kind of had a goal of deadheading at some point. He found out that all it is is a pink slip that you fill out and you put your employee number on there and then you can deadhead. That I mean, by real a bang, simple. By the yeah. So anyway, so flew all over the country, 26 different countries, over a million miles. Over All over the world even. Yeah, all over the world. Yeah. All right. So what about his next career? He's a doctor. He's a pediatrician. Right. So he almost got caught, you know, by the FFA. The Future Farmers
1: of America. Man, I hate when I almost get
0: caught by the FFA. The FAA. <laughs> <laughs> so these farmers come in and they, yeah. they arrested them. They exactly. Said, you Don't, can't... Be on Pan <laughs> Don't be flying on Pan boy. Don't be flying on Pan Am. So anyway, uh, it, what they did is they arrested them after one of these little deadhead flights. And it's kind of neat how he got out of it. Um, what happened is the guy who took the call from the FAA didn't write down what organization it was he just knew some federal agency was looking for this guy so he had the local sheriffs go pick him up you know but the guy took the call didn't know what agency it was so they called the fbi they thought it, maybe it was them and so the fbi was like no it wasn't us and the fbi was all like, oh, let's check it out you know and he's like well everything looks legit your licensed, everything's here you know can you provide me with some references and we met a lot of people you know over 250 flights so he provided Heck them with yeah. like pilots and stewardess and stuff and he called them and checked it out and everything checked out and he's like well i'll just let you go you know it must be some kind of misunderstanding never even thought to call the faa man and he's lucky so he laid low in new york with a while
1: right. with a while with a stewardess not with a while with a wild stewardess with a wild stewardess, stewardess. probably which i've i'm sure he had met many at that time right,
0: right. he had one in Never city
1: he had one in every city, you say? Yeah, I'd <laughs> imagine he did on twenty six different countries and two hundred and fifty flights. And
0: yeah, buddy. So anyway, he he told her he's gonna be on like a six month leave. Right. She said, "Well, it's not gonna work because I got to I'm going down to work in New Orleans in like New a Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans in like a month. So you can stay here with me for a month, but then I gotta go. So he rented a truck. He's ready to roll. Moved her down there, but he. That incident I was telling you about actually happened in New Orleans, so he didn't feel comfortable there. You know, I so got you. he he moved back up to Atlanta. So he went to Hot Atlanta, y'all. Hotlanta. So he rented him an upscale apartment, right?
1: Yeah. He put his employment on the employment line, he put doctor. That would explain him giving him the big twenty four hundred dollars worth of cash for his for his rental, right? Told him he was a
0: pediatrician. Right. Then Every, Keith Everything was going smooth at that point, man. Was going smooth until what? Living it up, buddy. Until Doctor Granger moved in. There. in yeah. Just partying, having a good time.
1: Until Dr. Granger moved in right below him, huh? Oh, the Dr. chief Granger. resident
0: pediatrician at the new local hospital. So what's crazy about that is he could have said he was any kind of a doctor, but he said pediatrician, which would have actually been pretty smart because like, all these older people wouldn't be asking him kid questions. Right, you know? exactly. But,
1: what's the chances of a pediatrician, of a well-known pediatrician, moving in below him, right? Yeah,
0: and the, he said his saving grace was, though, is that Dr. Granger didn't really like to talk shop. He did seek out Frank a lot because, you know, they had something in common. Right. And he wanted to hang out with him all the time. But he just didn't like to talk shop that much. He he would talk about girls and partying and stuff like that. And so that Frank said that was his saving grace. You know, he didn't really have to try to talk shop with him. So
1: this guy, though, right, kept wanting him to eat lunch with him. Yeah. Over and meet hospital. some other doctors, you know, kind of trying to set him up over there. So, again, his downfall, women yeah looking for nurses right hospitals got nurses planes got stewardesses right that's right so he met a lady
0: named Brenda Strong and started dating right and in the in the movie it shows Brenda Strong is like a candy striper but in the book he's very clear that he wasn't very interested in the candy stripers because they were younger he liked older women right more mature women right and so Brenda Strong was actually a nurse though she wasn't a candy striper
1: so one day, he got called in the office and offered a job, right? He reluctantly accepted, but there he was. Yeah. Job he don't really want, and it would only be for 10 days.
0: Right. He he really didn't want to take it. Like, the administrator was just, he was just hounding about it. He, like, really needed somebody. Like, apparently, the, the guy over, the resident pediatrician or whatever, he had a... Uh, gone to take care of his mom or something like that or maybe somebody in his family died I, mean, I how remember. do you? I
1: just can't imagine I, I'm just nervous enough and worrisome enough to I, I mean I could never pull off anything like that
0: I know I mean and he talks about it in his book too like how to like just the, live into that role yeah that's crazy like the administrator pulls them in he's a little nervous he's like I'm busted I mean I would have been like more than just nervous Hi, man
1: I'm sorry I'm not a doctor
0: don't please spilling my guts I know I'm so i sorry but, uh, yeah, so he, he offered him a job, and he took it reluctantly because, basically, he told him two things. He said, it'll only be 10 days, and I'll put Nurse Strong on, on your shift for you.
1: All right, bada and bang. So that
0: was enough for him. So he had an
1: interview in front of a board of doctors. It, it was a mess. It was a farce, right? But yeah. he decided to put his resignation in and wouldn't take no for an answer after a blue baby incident. Right. I guess he realized that's one of those things that could really have serious repercussions. People could die.
0: Yeah. For him being stupid. I don't think he ever planned on being there as long as he was. Like ten days turned into nine, nine months. Exactly. And uh but and he kept trying to get out of it but he just kept you know, they kept saying making excuses, just like if you were really employed, if you were really a doctor, you know, that, that kind of stuff happens. And so they kept making excuses for him to stay there. And uh but anyway, when, when a baby nearly died he said No, can't do that. Yeah. And you know, throughout this whole thing he seemed like he he actually had a heart you know he was a thief but he was seemed like a, a, thief a good person <laughs> he was a good thief. he was a good person so next we've been a doctor now he's going
1: to be a lawyer right so a week after this his lease is up he's headed back to louisiana cuz he knew a stewardess there
0: right and the the stewardess he knew there he just so happened the backstory he had told her when he knew her was that he was a harvard graduate lawyer and had gave that up to be a pilot Man, this guy just... You talk about
1: some whoppers, man.
0: Yeah. So while
1: he was there, right, she introduced him to one of the lawyer friends of hers. Bam. Another job falls right in his lap.
0: Yeah. Like, it was kind of the same deal. He, like, was begging him to do it because they needed people. So I guess the world was short of doctors and lawyers at mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> I guess they had enough Indian chiefs at the time. <laughs> yeah. So he faked some
1: transcripts from Harvard. Yeah. Took the bar exam. Took him three times. But he passed it.
0: Yeah. Just studied for it and passed it.
1: Isn't that something?
0: That is crazy. That shows you how smart the guy really man, was. Man, wonder though. if we could just like take study for the bar and take it. Yeah, if you just fake some transcripts,
1: I guess. <laughs> God, yeah, I guess you got to have that. Huh? Got to get through that. Yeah. Dang man.
0: Which that's the part
1: he was really good at. All right, so much for that. Well, he's mainly a gopher. He didn't have to do any litigating, so it worked out fine for him, right? The Only yeah. thing that didn't work out fine was his stewardess girlfriend. Yeah. She
0: wasn't promiscuous and like like a, a lot of his other ones were. Yeah. He's, she, now
1: this cracks me up, man. So the girl's Methodist; she's active in her church, right? Right. So he starts going to church and becoming part of church committees, so he can spend time with this woman.
0: Right. He that said that crazy. he learned for the first time that you know there are other activities you can do with girls that are also enjoyable. You know, like you can have t- you can be you on can, church committee. Yeah. That, right? You can right. have fun with girls without going that direction. You know. I got you. So Keith, tell us who
1: he met on one of these church committees. Interestingly enough,
0: man, he enrolled in one too many church committee, and just so happened one of them they were building playgrounds or something like that. I can't remember, but uh, it was another Harvard graduate that was uh-huh. on the committee, and he said that man, he did not realize how much Harvard boys like to talk about Harvard. It's like they it's like a club, you know, Right. and they that's and he all he ever talked up. about. And so very quickly, you know, it wasn't like the pediatrician. Pediatrician didn't want to talk shop. This guy, wanted, this guy to talk. wanted to talk Yeah. To and so very quickly he realized something was up and he started diving into Frank's background. So Frank bolted.
1: Hit the road, Jack. Again. So,
0: so what's up next?
1: No Indian chief, doctor right. lawyer, paper hanger.
0: Yeah, and what's briefly briefly a teacher like while he was laying low, he he decided that since he had a couple of uh, college degrees even though they were fake, he thought he might actually <laughs> visit a college campus. And so when he saw the college campus, though, and all those pretty ladies on it, boy, he was oh, enthralled. Lord. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So he saw this ad for, uh, they needed a, a uh, college professor for a summer semester, and because he knew all them pretty women were there, he was like, I am doing that, you know, so that was one he actually pursued, it didn't fall on his lap, you know, he got him some fake transcripts. He decided, and, hey, I'm going to go after this, I'm yeah. going to be a teacher. And he became a teacher, and what's crazy is this, he said that like, he got like a bunch of students just loved him, and thought he was the greatest teacher. He actually did a really good job.
1: That's so I mean, insane. I wonder what, all what he did, did they say.
0: What he taught? Uh, I can't remember. I'm thinking maybe pilotry. no. I think it was social studies or something like that. I can't all remember. Right. But he uh he would study a chapter ahead of the class, and so he knew the material before they got there. <laughs> that's all he did. Uh, so anyway, that's funny, man. But after that, he went heavy into some paper hanging. You know, he he got some. So bad checks. Man. Yeah, Pan Am employee checks, mainly. And uh, he actually had the stewardess in Paris that he knew. And her father. Of course, father, he did, as you do. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of the many, you know. And her father actually was a printer. Had a big printing press. and okay. uh, So he kind of conned him into printing Pan Am checks for him. Like basically and legitimate money orders, right? What is
1: up, dude? Just printing money nowadays—you couldn't get away with that kind of stuff with the technology.
0: Yeah, you're end right. of
1: it, but this was pre—not pre-technology. There's always been technology of
0: some point. Pre-computers, but really. Pre-computers. Yeah. I mean, computers at this time were probably the size of a room. Yeah, know? exactly. So, yeah. So anyway, yes, yeah, he was. Uh, he kind of did that same scam like he did with ID badges. You know, I'm gonna get you. A, he ordered like ten thousand checks. He didn't need ten thousand checks. But it's just, uh, to get him to do the thing, you know, to
1: to print the checks for him. So he also interviewed and hired his own intern stewardesses. Keith, is there such a thing as an intern stewardess?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. Not that I know of. There was with him, though. And so he gave him the promise of being, like, real stewardess someday. And (laughs) (laughs) he interviewed them, kind of picked them based on how hot they were, you know. And, uh. So they served as a distraction. So like when he was doing this paper hanging, you know, it had this entourage with him. An
1: entourage of intern stewardesses, right.
0: So he got arrested while he was in Europe.
1: Got bailed out by a bailed bondsman. A bailed bondman. And we talked about the fact that even though this guy's a crook, right, he's a thief. Apparently he's a thief and a crook with a heart. So he gave the guy a phony check, but later sent him the full amount. Right. Right. With a fake money order or with a
0: real money order? No, it was, one of the it was money a orders one. he got. yeah. So. He actually got a real money order. Yeah. All right. He uh he got he wrote the guy a check for the ten percent, you know, like five hundred dollars, and uh, of course it bounced. When the FBI agent got there, he couldn't believe that somebody bailed this guy out, and he was like, "Well, he wrote me a check, you know," and he was like, "Serves you right. Go cash it, see what happens, <laughs> you know," and uh, so anyway, Frank actually did send him the full five thousand dollars for his bail though.
1: Well, that's pretty like, cool.
0: But, like, he mentioned in his book he never did uh, swindle uh, individuals. It was right. always, like, big banks and stuff like that. Right. Well, Keith, you can only do that kind of crap for so long. Right. Until the hammer comes down, brother. Right. And this is the not-so-glorious part that people don't really want to think about.
1: Right. So he's been flying high, living the high life. Right. And
0: now... He got Busted. Busted. And he didn't get thrown into no little fancy prissy U.S. prison. He got thrown into a French prison.
1: In the 60s or early 70s.
0: Yes. At least it one of a Turkish prison.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Midnight Express. Do you remember that movie? Uh-uh. It's bad. You don't want to get thrown into it. You don't want to get busted in Turkey with a bunch of hash on you and get thrown into a Turkish prison, let's just put it that way. Unless there's a lot of turkey there you can eat. Man, bad stuff. But still, this is no cakewalk, right? This is no f- current federal prison. Medium security federal prison.
0: Right, he said the conditions were horrible. They they didn't give me clothes. He was naked. Like the book describes, how he had scabies from head to toe by the time he got out. Man,
1: that ain't no count.
0: You know, he didn't have running water, toiletries. So he's in his own filth. You know, and he was very very sick by the time the FBI agent come. I bet he was. Get him out. Actually, that was a movie. Got- yeah. yeah, and there he
1: got extradited to Sweden, right? So he right. served another six months there.
0: Right, and I don't, I don't remember how the prisons were there. I'm sure they wasn't too much better, but um, he was supposed to be extradited to Italy next, but the Swedish judge actually asked U.S. State Department official to revoke his passport, and what that did was it legally compelled Sweden to deport him to the United States. Get him out of there. Yeah. Get him to the U.S., all right, so what happened to him when he got to the U.S., Keith? He was sentenced 12 years 12 in the years. States, and he served a little less than uh, five of that. that. Still ain't no count. So, I mean, altogether, he was wanted in 12 different countries. So he could have been extradited, you know, if that Swedish Servos. judge hadn't have done that. Yeah, back to back to back. He could have served the rest of his life. That ain't fun. So, anyway, he, uh, during that time, though, of all that going on, he had two different escapes, too, which were pretty, uh, Legendary.
1: Now, the first one I know, when he got deported to the U.S., right?
0: Right. Gets off the plane, takes off. Right, and the movie shows him going through the toilet. Like, he goes to the bathroom, pulls the toilet off, comes out under the landing gear. The book is not very clear about how he got off the plane. It just says that he jumped the fence. He jumped the fence
1: and headed for a safety deposit box. We know that, right? Right. Gets
0: 20 grand, takes a train to Montreal,
1: going to catch a plane to Brazil, but bam. Yep, Canadian got again. him, man. The Canucks. The Canadians. We busted him, eh? Eh? Hey? I bet they had That's those big old hats. hats on, too. What's the... What are they... What's the... um? Don't they wear them big hats, too? Like do Like the European people do? They should. Oh, like the Mounties? Yeah. Think of the Mounties, the, the Canadian Mounted hats. Police. Yeah. Well, they're not really that tall, but they're kind of big. No, like the the British guards, kind of. No, they don't wear those kind of hats. Canadians don't do that? Uh-uh. I thought they did. You see the guys with the red suits on? Yeah. Yeah, they got a hat. It looks more like an Alabama State Trooper hat.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: Kind of like that. So
0: those guys picked him up. But either
1: way, somebody picked him up there, and you don't want to get picked up. Not by the Canucks. No. You hoser.
0: Take off, eh? That's right. brud. So, um, the other escape was actually. Yeah, that was actually when he was uh, waiting trial in Atlanta. And he. uh, Hot (sighs) Atlanta. And this crazy stuff was going on during the 60s, you know, a lot of civil rights stuff was going on, and they they had been in trouble for some, they were being condemned by some civil rights groups, that prison was. And so there was some undercover agents in the prisons, like posing as prisoners. Well, some, at a stroke of luck, some U.S. marshal forgot his papers or lost his papers somehow, and Frank was mistaken as one of these undercover. An undercover prison, undercover? Undercover prison. Undercover prison inspector, if you will. Right, so... He kind of took advantage of that mistake and he uh, called up one of his girls you know had her bring him a business card saying that he was a prison inspector and another one about the, something about the FBI agent you know
1: that's just insane man and he
0: coaxed them into saying hey I gotta go meet with this FBI agent in the car real quick you know y'all cover for me I'm a undercover inspector and all this stuff and so they called the FBI the number on the FBI card that he provided them. And, of course, it went to his girlfriend. She posed as the, uh, you know, the operator for the FBI. And so then they, they let him That's do crazy, it. That's crazy, man. And so he went out to the car. And, of course, it was her in the car. And they just drove off. There you go. That is nuts. He's a pretty smart guy.
1: He's smart. Too but smart for his own good.
0: Well, got out of prison, you know, he did some different kind of small jobs. Like I think he was like a movie projectionist at one point and like a cook at one point. But none of those things satisfied his thrill seeking you know I'm sure they didn't and so um, if you've been jet setting and living the high life man that'd be a be a far fall and on top of that as soon as they found out that he lied on his application they fired him ex (laughs) yeah you're out of here here. so it is hard for ex-cons to get jobs from what I understand Um, they're supposed to be rehabilitated you know right did I say that right rehabilitated rehabilitated yeah
1: Yeah, that's it man
0: so uh, the word for the day Rehabilitated. And back to the podcast. So, anyway, he uh, would get fired from these jobs, but he'd come up with this idea. He went one day and spoke to a bank manager and he, he explained to him what he had done. You know, he's up front with him about paper hanging. Yeah, about paper hanging. And he said, Look, I want to give a speech to your staff. If you find it helpful, you pay me $500. If you don't, then pay me nothing. So he's just kind of taking a 500 bucks a and refer him to other... Right, and refer him to other banks. Banks.
1: Yeah. That's a pretty good idea, man. And so that he kind of
0: told them all these ways that paper hangers do their thing, and they did find it very helpful. And so he gave them the 500 bucks and referred him and that was the beginning of his security consultant. There career. There you go.
1: So he turned it around. He did. Starts consulting. Since then, he's educated the FBI and over 14,000 different institutions. Yes. And they've adopted his fraud prevention
0: programs. Yeah, Ab- uh, Abagnale and Associates. Abigail Ab- 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 Abagnale. Abagnale. Abagnale and Associates. Yeah. And uh, these places pay him millions of dollars every year for what he does. So, John. He Ain't that something? He was a legitimate millionaire and a legitimate millionaire in one lifetime. Ain't that crazy? He's turning it around. Flummedidilist and, and Flummedidler. Probably the That's greatest of both. So, a little discussion here, man. What led him to do these things? How do you start a life like that, dude? Well, we know one thing for sure. We know he loves some women. Yeah. Now, he says that that's what compelled him to do these things in his book. But, you know, I know as a teenager, I was kind of a thrill seeker. But, like, my thrill seeking was limited to, like, jumping off cliffs into water. Right. You know, stuff <laughs> like that. Not Man. highly illegal, go to jail for a long time kind of stuff. Right. Well, I had this, you know, I had a healthy fear of discipline from my parents, you know, or right. at least disappointing them. I don't think he had that. like he, In a sense of wanting to do the right thing. Right. At least some of the time. He talked about in his book how his father was kind of absent, you know, like, I think more mentally than, you know, actually physically. But, like. Yeah you know his He's checked out on the whole thing. yeah he got divorced and he still loved his wife and he missed her and i think he was kind of set on that you know gotcha. also from reading the book he was actually very lax on him too didn't give him a lot of discipline like he got busted before his scam with the gas card. he got busted with some buddies from the neighborhood in a, in a hijacking they hijacked a car all right and uh carjacking if you will and um so anyway, his father bailed him out, and not only bailed him out, but pulled some of his political and business connections to get it wiped from his record. And then when he talked to him so about he enabled it, enabled him, man, he did really. And sure when, he did. when he when he talked to him about it, you know, it wasn't like you know I'm disappointed in you, blah blah blah. It was just like, just tell me why you did it. And he said, well, dad, it's the women. They do something to me, you know. <laughs> and his son, he said, I don't know what it is. I want to understand it. And and his dad he was. His dad was like, "What? I don't even think Einstein understood that, son." You know. He didn't bust
1: out. Well, hey, I know what I'm going to do to you. Right. Exactly. I know what they do
0: to you. His mom was very disappointed. She actually actually sent him to a boarding school because of it, but he lived with his dad. He didn't live with his mom. So, you know, I think he lacked some of that that fear of disappointing dad. He dad didn't act very disappointed when he do things. Right. Well, they all. That's
1: Frank Abagnale Jr. So what's the takeaway from this, John? Man, I'd say the takeaway is, first of all, don't be a grifting criminal. Right. Second of all, no matter where you go. If you are. But if you are, no matter where you go and where you've been, you can turn those same things around and make something good out of it.
0: Right. You can always be pulled from the pit, man. There you go, brother. Damascus Road Conversion, turn that. Got a life around. Bada boom. Absolutely. Well, Keith, tell us uh how we can get in touch with ourselves if we wanted to. <laughs> or the Flumidallers can get in touch with us if they want to. Well, you can find us on Facebook or uh our Gmail account, which is doyouflumadiddle at gmail dot com. Or our website do dot com.
1: <laughs> and also Be sure, if you will, please go on to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast, and give us a five-star rating.
0: We sure would appreciate it. Click that little follow button. Share us with your friends on Facebook. Absolutely.
1: Man, I mean,
0: just so far, though. This is like a phenomenon. I mean, like, it is just taking off. There's so it's many people phenomena. listening to this podcast, and just don't don't miss out, man. Jump on the train and get right over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on, we really do need it, and we
1: really would appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. That's dooflumadiddle.com and do diddle at gmail.com. That's 1M. Not 2, because 2 is a dessert. God bless. Peace out. Peace.